The Blevins Franks Report with Rob Kay of Blevins Franks Wealth Management. Well, as we approach the middle of summer, well, the middle of August at least, it's time to talk to Rob Kay from uh, Blevins Franks. How are you doing, Rob? I'm very well. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Thank you very much. Good. I've been reading the press recently, and it always seems to be full of conflicting investment stories. But just now, there seems to be even more than usual. Will there be a recession? Are we in a bear market? Or is this a new bull market? So, before you take your well-earned break, I'd like to hear your opinions and your thoughts. But before we talk investments, what news, financial or other, caught your eye this week? Well, Howard, on, on reflection, I decided the news section of last week's broadcast was, was far too negative and much too gloomy for a summer Sunday morning. So this week I've, I've taken inspiration from George Gershwin's area, Summertime and, and the Living is Easy, and been on the lookout for more upbeat news. Ironically, the best place to start is with positive news about a negative subject we've featured frequently over the past 12 months. Hugh Pill, the Bank of England's chief economist, this week said... Banks' interest rate rises are starting to work. Pill said monetary tightening is working and headline inflation is beginning to drop thanks to lower food and energy prices. Since December 2021, the Bank of England has increased interest rates 14 times, but what he decides to do in September will be heavily influenced by inflation, which dropped to 7.9% in July, and the state of the labour market, which is looking much better due to higher unemployment and lower job vacancies, which will lead to lower wage growth. It's a similar story across the pond. According to figures released by the Bureau of Labour Statistics, 187,000 jobs were added last month, which is well down on the June figure of 209,000, and the lowest gain since December 2020. The unemployment rate came in at 3.5%, so the labour market seems to be cooling. This is exactly what the Fed want, and it increases the chances of US interest rates being at their peak and the Fed pulling off the trick of getting inflation under control while keeping the economy strong. It also lifted hopes that the US economy could achieve a soft landing and there seems to be enough momentum in the economy to avoid a full recession. Over the past few years, positive news for the British government has been a little thin on the ground, but this week's BP announcement that it's considering building two huge offshore wind farms without any government subsidies, which will be a first for that sector. He could start building what's known as Morgan and Mona in the Irish Sea, 20 miles off the coast of North Wales and North West England, as soon as late next year. The two wind farms would boast 214 turbines, and they could power, we are told, a minimum of 3.4 million UK homes. My eye, as you describe it every week, Howard, was caught by a report this week, which announced that full employment in France is within reach. France's Labour Minister, Oliver Depot said, for the past six years, France has, state, has a stated goal of full employment, and that goal is now achievable, and we are told it's closer than it has ever been before. However, as usual, the headline is a little misleading, because the French government uses the International Labour Organization's definition of full employment, which is actually 95%. This assumes there will always be 5% unemployment, because there will always be people between jobs, training or moving, so they will be out of the workforce. On this basis, the government needs another 800,000 people to be in work to meet the 95% target, which sounds like a big sum of fudge to me, Howard. 
Um, Monsieur Depot's claim is supported by increasing labour shortages. Construction firms, hotels, restaurants and farms are all finding it really difficult to recruit. On some vineyards and fruit farms, it has been almost impossible to find French seasonal workers for over a decade now, so teams from Eastern Europe have been plugging this French employment gap. wonder what the collective noun for fudge is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going there. No, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I just lay that one out there. Okay. So, Rob, how do you see investment markets, and in particular stock markets? Um, the simple answer to that, I would, is very positive, but, but I'm also quite sad about it. Um, one investment analyst who I've followed for more years than either of us would like to remember described the current situation as the tragedy nears completion, a sentiment I have to admit I share with. The problem with getting older, as we know when history is repeating itself, is we're powerless to stop too many people making the same mistake time and time again. Thankfully, we can steer our clients down the right path, but our clients make up just a small fraction of the investing public. The majority don't have a trusted advisor to stop them throwing themselves off the proverbial investment cliff. The tragedy I'm referring to is the panic sale of investment holdings in good quality investments when their values are impacted by external events. Over the past three years, investing has been a turbulent road. Back in early 2020, as we were all forced to stay at home, only go out for essentials and do what we were told, the world's stock markets had a seismic slump. The bottom of the market across the world was around the 20th of March. But from that point, the markets recovered back to where they'd fallen from and then beyond. The latest repeat of this well-run tragedy, and possibly the most poignant, and that might just be because it's the most recent, was the autumn 2022 decline, which everyone with a clear mind could see was an inevitable correction following one of the greatest market runs in history. Financial journalism was very quick and is very quick to highlight the March 2020 drop and also last year's October slump. But have you read anything about the gains stock markets around the world have made since then? Since March 2020, the S&P in America has returned investors 95% growth. Here in France, the CAC Quarante has generated 81% growth and the German DAX has delivered 78%. Since last October's correction, the S&P has grown by 23% and the CAC is up 27% and the DAC has given us 29% profit. Now those of us with longer memories will remember back in October 87, that was and is still known as Black Monday. Markets that day fell out of the metaphoric cliff-dropping situation by 30% in just one day and probably actually one morning. Since then, an investment in American stocks has returned 1,440%. Just think about those numbers. German stocks have, re have, have returned something similar, around 1,350%. 1, and even the UK, which from an investment perspective has been a basket case for too long, it's returned 430%. Now, through all these periods of extreme volatility, the patient, disciplined investor rode out all those periodic unpleasantries and saw market declines as opportunities to buy the investments others were selling. Those who sold were the unfortunate victims and their losses have become the, the, the patient discipline of future gains We are, that we are, are now actually seeing. An interesting question is, which is worse, buying at the top or selling at the bottom? For me, it's the latter. If we buy what turns out to have been a market top, we could suffer a downturn or a fluctuation. But history has shown us that it's an issue 
that if we take a longer term view, we will avoid. And the next top will be the high that the will be higher than the last top. So with little patience, invariably you'll always win. However, if we panic and sell at the bottom, we render that downward movement permanent, and we've got off the escalator of a rising economy and rising markets that have made so many people, so many investors, quite rich. And that's why panicking and selling at the bottom will always be the cardinal sin of investing. So how should investors deal with stock market volatility? <laughs> Great question, Howard. Um, and it's, I completely understand, especially for new investors. Big investment market swings are really difficult to handle. There's still a massive amount of uncertainty out there. Interest rates are still rising. Property prices are stagnating. And everyday commodities are still expensive, which, has, which as we have seen, continues to fuel inflation. Investment markets continually react to these factors. But if you have a diversified investment portfolio, which is mashed to your risk profile, slow and steady always wins the race. The best performing portfolios are the ones that spend time in the market. The most important thing is we need to remember what we're investing for. We can't avoid short-term volatility, but if we have a long-term time horizon, stock markets have historically always gone up, so we need to be disciplined and stick with our plan. Every long-term plan will be affected by market conditions. Dips and corrections happen. They can't be avoided. The media has to continually write attention-grabbing 24-hour-a-day headlines. They turn heads with scurry-setting events such as economic bubbles, bear markets, bull markets, death crosses, and inflation has now been replaced by the threat of stagflation. As I said previously, when investment markets drop, investors are presented with a unique opportunity to invest. So if you're sitting on a pile of cash now, this could be the time to get that cash working harder for you. It's impossible to say the stock markets will continue their upward trend. The best investors in history have not been able to time the market. The best advice is have a plan, stick with it, and keep on investing. Picking up on that point, some listeners will question whether they can generate better returns by choosing when to buy and sell investments. Yeah, over the past 40 years, I've, I've experienced so many peaks and troughs, highs and lows, periods of intense volatility. I now firmly believe the wisest investors are those who spend time creating a long-term strategy, then having the discipline to stay in the market, even when it feels uncomfortable. Time repeatedly proves they have the best chance of investment success. Trying to time the market carries so much risk, but the biggest risk is probably the risk of missing out. If we jump out to reduce risk as market trends down, it's odds on we'll miss out on the rebound. I mentioned earlier, selling at the top and buying at the bottom. In my experience, most seasoned investment professionals rarely get this right. The temptation is to stay in a little longer so we don't miss a sudden upswing. Then once we're out, it's normal to hesitate about going back in. Do the markets are further to fall? And if I stay out a little longer, can I catch a bigger upswing? If we invested €10,000 and remained fully invested in a European fund holding blue chip stocks over the past 10 years, we would have seen a profit of €11,000. We would have doubled our money. If we missed just the best 10 days in that whole 10-year period, that profit would have dropped to €4,000. And if we missed the best 30 days, our 10-year investment would have actually lost us 1600 just think about that. That's missing just one month out of 120 months. Put that into context, Howard. Being out of the market for less than 1% of the whole 10-year period 
would have lost us 16% of our original capital. Quite sobering, and it has, for me, put to bed any doubts about the merits of having a strategy and staying fully invested. Is there a way to predict which asset class will perform best over a specific period? <laughs> and what's the address of the crystal ball shop, Howard? But, uh, but seriously, I don't believe there is. In 2022, the best performing asset class was commodities, which returned 24%. We would have lost money if we just invested in commodities over the previous decade. Between 2019 and 2021, US equities returned 69%, but last year they dropped about 20% of their value. Investors also typically tend to have too much exposure to their own market, which is logical because the market we know best is the easiest to invest in. Lots of Blevins Frank's clients are British, and when we first meet, they frequently hold way too many UK investment assets. Statistics show, if we have a well-diversified investment portfolio, we will achieve better returns. Different asset classes or regions will perform differently, and most years they will vary significantly. The diversification that comes with this varied performance can help reduce the risk of having all our assets drop in value at the same time. By having a diversified portfolio covering a range of regions and asset classes over the medium term, we will get better returns with much less volatility. Investment markets continually evolve, so all we need is a solution that's actually dynamically managed, easier said than done. The asset class that is the best performer one year is frequently the worst one the following year. Trying to predict winners is as difficult as predicting all the Premier League scores this weekend. If we're fully invested or we have capital to invest, do you have any other advice for investing in today's world? Um, a little early we spoke about avoiding overexposure to specific asset classes and having a diversified portfolio. I would also recommend not putting all our faith in star fund managers or star funds. Just like asset classes, the best fund manager one year can easily turn out to be the worst one the following year. Across the world, we can buy hundreds of funds from a long list of different fund managers. The UK all company sector, for example, contains over 200 funds, and at first view, they'll all seem to offer similar investment opportunities. But the difference in performance is dramatic. If we look at the 10-year investment period we mentioned earlier, and specifically at the UK all company sector, the difference between the best and worst performing fund is phenomenal. If we invested £10,000 in the best performing fund, our investment would have returned us £48,000. If we'd chosen the worst performing fund, we'd have returned a measly £11,000. If we look at the global picture, performance differences are even more dramatic. The best performing global equity fund would have turned £10,000 into £74,000. Now, had we invested in the worst performing fund, our investment would have returned us just £20,000. Those two figures are poles apart, but to put investment performance into context, if we left that cash sitting on deposit over the same period, our £10,000 would have appreciated to just £10,600. That's 6% over the entire 10-year period. If we understand that it's time in the markets, not timing the markets that counts, do we still need to regularly review our portfolio? However, a long-term diversified investment approach is vital to protect and grow our capital, whatever the economic climate. While a keep calm and stay invested approach gives the best overall results, we must make sure we regularly review our overall strategic financial planning. 
At Blevins Franks, we sit down with our clients at least once a year, or more frequently, especially if their circumstances change, to ensure their arrangements continue to meet their financial goals. If you haven't sat down to discuss your investment requirements or how the last few volatile years have affected your overall strategic financial planning, maybe your advisor is no longer able to advise you because they're in the UK and they can't passport their services into Europe. So if you'd like to discuss your investments or explore how you can make your finances more user-friendly for life in France, speak to one of our Blevins Franks partners. Every initial meeting is complimentary, so to arrange an appointment or a telephone call, give us a call. Our telephone number here in France is 0493-001780. That's 0493-001780. And if our Monaco office is more convenient for you, call our Monaco office. And the number here in Monaco is 9777-5574. That's 9777-5574. And if you'd like to know more about Blevins Franks or prefer to contact us via the internet, visit our website, which is www.blevinsfranks.com. Many thanks. So, are we taking a summer break next week, Rob? <laughs> uh, yes, I am, Howard, but unfortunately, there's no rest for the wicked, as they say, so you're going to have to hold the fort for me. Yeah. But don't worry, you won't be on your own. I've arranged for my colleague Jason Porter to join you, and uh, I hope over the next two weeks you can explain to the listeners what they need to know before they move to France. I look forward to that. Talking about um, different changes, did you see that there's been a a three-dimensional avatar and somebody in Ohio was uh, presenting a or collecting an award in Madrid and the three-dimensional avatar collected the the award? Wow. Maybe we can get an avatar for next time I'm on holiday. (laughs) Something to think about. (laughs) Listen, have a good break and we'll talk in, in three weeks' time. Thank you. I'll see you in September. The Blevins Franks Report. If you would like more information on any of the topics discussed in this program, contact your local Blevins Franks office on 0493001780 or riviera at blevinsfranks.com. Focusing on the big picture. At Blevins Franks, our financial advisors take a holistic approach. We get to know our clients, your family situation and objectives, and our integrated advice covers tax and estate planning, savings and investments, and pensions. We aim to consolidate many of your assets, keeping things simple for you and your family and heirs. Get in touch with your local Blevins Franks advisors today. Visit BlevinsFranks.com. That's BlevinsFranks.com.